What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into episode 80 of the Long Gamed Dynasty podcast, a bi-weekly discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benchuya. With me, per huge, Trey Cryan and Mitch Yates. And let me shout out John Alexander. Hasn't been around in a while, but John is still part of the TLG fam. We're going to get him back on soon. John, we love you and we miss you. But in the meantime, Trey, what's going on, man? Oh, a big shout out to John here. We're talking about his favorite topic today, rookie wide receivers. Uh, we all know John's uh, perpetually rebuilding for the future. So this <laughs> pause for you, my friend. Yeah, that's where John is. He's actually just plugging away, rebuilding. That's all. He, that's all he does. And that's not to say that he's not a great dynasty football player. He just is a little bit more heavy on the rebuilder than the contender, if you know what I mean. Yeah, shout out to John, who I co-manage in our TLG3 league, and we won the inaugural year championship. So he does win championships. He just does it with me. Mitch, what's go. going on, man? Well, he doesn't do that with me, but <laughs> but soon, soon. We've been rebuilding for a while. John, I miss you too, buddy. Uh, but yeah, talking some college football, so this will be a fun one. Watched a lot of tape for this episode. I'm ready to do it. I am ready to do it, too. And what are we doing it toing it? Uh, we're talking about 2023 rookie wide receivers today. So in the first of our four-part rookie series, we're going to be diving deep into this kind of highly anticipated 2023 class. You know, for a really long time, those 2023 first-round picks were worth their weight in gold. So as we get into this series, you know, We'll be diving deep into the prospects themselves, you know, what our opinions are of their profile, of their tape, um, where they're expected to go in the NFL draft in April, and, you know, equip our listeners with the knowledge so that they can gain an edge on their league mates in their dynasty fantasy football leagues. So, you know, I'm not going to do a whole big intro and soliloquy, at least any longer than the current soliloquy I'm on. Let's go ahead and kick off this first half talking about our first rookie wide receiver. Mitch, I'm going to throw it to you. Straight to business today, boys. Uh, well, if we're talking college wide receivers, we got to talk first about Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. Six foot one, 200 pounds, and he was an absolute monster in 2021. But unfortunately, he missed most of 2022 with that hamstring injury that limited him to three games. So we're going to have to look back at his 2021 season and try and fill in some gaps here. But let me tell you, the injury should not scare you off. This dude can ball. So despite playing on offense in 2021 with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and uh, JSN racked up 112 targets and 95 catches for 1606 and nine touchdowns as a sophomore. And in fact, I'm I'm certain the only reason he didn't join the NFL with his teammates was because he wasn't allowed. Like Olave, JSN has extra crispy routes. The dude can get open, and we saw that with Olave last year. Being a crisp route runner translates pretty well to the next level. And once Jackson Smith and Jigba got the ball in his hands. I mean, it, he becomes a yak machine, 790 yards after the catch in 2021, and he just looks like a nightmare to bring down once he has the ball. I think we have to bring up the 2021 Rose Bowl, where he put up video game numbers, 347 yards on 15 receptions with three touchdowns, 
<laughs> like this is a bowl game, and this Absurd. is this is that tease without Chris Olave and without Garrett Wilson even playing. You know, this is what we were expecting and hoping to see, or at least something like that in 2022. But we just didn't get that. So, JSN is going to be a lot of people's wide receiver one of this class, and I think he has every bit of a claim to that title. But I do want to get a little nitpicky, and we'll start with his uh, 83% snaps that were out of the slot and benefiting from those two first-round wide receiver talents. Um, like I said, we got to see that Rose Bowl without those two, but, you know, um, we just we didn't get to see it. We didn't get to see him develop in 2022, so we have to assume that he is going to keep that trajectory going forward. And he's been kind of knocked for having a few drops here and there, and I'm not that concerned about him. Uh, yeah. I, I, honestly, you'll hear about him from people analyzing his film, but, but I, honestly, it doesn't bother me. He's not a body catcher. He's great with his hands. He's an elite wide receiver. And I'll end with this. He's my number two wide receiver out of this rookie class right now. And we'll get into the rest of them later. But what do you guys think? Trey, what do you think? All right. Well, I'll, I'll just disagree on that last point. He is my wide receiver one of this class. <laughs> and a lot of it comes down to just the production that we saw that sophomore season. That 3.26 yards per team pass attempt was uh, by far uh, the best of the uh, the top three guys that um, I've got here at the top of my wide receiver board. So yeah, that production as a sophomore where he essentially relegated Alave to the wide receiver three in that offense was absolutely incredible. And yeah, he he was, um, you know, basically riding the bench uh, last year with that hamstring injury, which definitely sucked. And to your point about the slot, uh, I'm not super concerned about that. I think, you know, what we've seen about with Ohio State is that they have no problem uh, producing these um, NFL receivers in that system. I think, you know, if he goes into the next level and, you know, he's able to get on the field immediately as a slot weapon and then develop a little bit more inside outside game, I think that's totally fine from a fantasy perspective. So that doesn't really scare me away at all. Uh, I He just looks like a prototypical uh, modern NFL wide receiver, even if he is a little bit on the smaller side. So yeah, absolutely draft with confidence. He's the top of my, my uh, receiver board. Yeah, man, Trey with you there. Like I said, he's elite. So I'm not, going to be scared off per se i i was looking for like the the smallest amount of things that i can nitpick in his in his tape and like honestly man he can play outside for sure it's just like we have to do this kind of like we how we did with jamar chase is like just hope that this year off isn't going to negatively affect him too much and i don't think that it is i i, I think this dude is nfl ready and as you said draft with confidence like what probably top three, maybe four picks in a super fest, super flex draft. Yeah, yeah. I think five. right now he'd probably be my one oh four. Um, after Bijan and the top two quarterbacks in Stroud and Young, I would probably take Jackson Smith and Jigba next. So I agree with Trey. He is my wide receiver one overall, and I understand what Mitch is saying is that. You know, he has a great argument for wide receiver one. So let's not pretend that we're having some massive disagreement here. But I can't for Jackson Smith and Jigba. I can't like get past slash overthink 1600 yards on the same field as Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. not just those guys. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. who is 
at this point, kind of roundly considered to be the wide receiver one in 2024. And it's also with Amike uh, uh, Ogbuka, I think his name is. Yeah, Sorry. Ogbuka. Uh, Amike Egbuka, sorry for mispronouncing his name. Yeah, he's he's also, you know, a potential round one or round two receiver next year. So he was sharing the field with all four of those guys. Yeah. And he was the alpha on the field there with CJ Stroud uh, in 2021. So I think he's just that guy. And, you know, Mitch went over the drops Um what what Mitch said is he's got great hands. So what that tells me is they're like concentration drops which is like has nothing to do with technique, right? So it's not something that you should be worried about. And then the other weakness that people come up with for Jackson Smith and Jigba is less than perfect expected athleticism, right? He's not, he's maybe not going to be like the most explosive, even though you've got Chris Olave (laughs) and Garrett Wilson telling the media right now that he's actually faster than them. (laughs) I think that's a little bit of bigging up their guy to try to get him drafted in the first round. But like he what I'm saying is he may not be like the explosive athlete that we'd maybe want out of a round one wide receiver. But you you don't need explosive athleticism necessarily to be successful in the NFL, especially as a fantasy option. And yeah, I mean, he'll operate primarily out of the slot more than likely. Uh, Lots of fantasy points being scored there. So, Yeah, yeah, Tarek, the 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 thing that separates him for me is actually his ability. The route running, it he yeah. can get the separation without necessarily having that top one percentile like burst. So right. I think that you know when when somebody we've seen this when somebody enters the NFL with just an established route tree and he leverages defenders super well. Like this dude's a dunk. Like draft him. Yeah, the only reason I would be worried is if uh, the athleticism drops him out of the first round. Uh, so maybe that would cause me to reorder uh, the uh, you know the the top end of the board here a little bit. But that probably just means he's going to be a value in drafts if that ends up happening. I could not see that happening. It'd be crazy if it does. He seems like he's a locked in first rounder. I agree. For sure. Yeah, I think so too. So you know, Trey and I've got JSN at the top of our wide receiver board. Looks like Mitch has him at two, but basically almost there. Let's move on to this next guy that we're going to talk about. Trey, who do you got? All right. So I'm going to talk about Jordan Addison. He is six foot nothing, 170 pounds. So a little bit smaller than uh, JSN. He's a junior wide receiver from the University of Spoiled Children. And he also <laughs> played his first two years at uh, Pitt with uh, our boy uh, Kenny Pickett. Uh, let's see. Addison was the 2021 Bolitnikoff Award winner. So the best receiver in the nation uh, two years ago. He has a career best 2.94 yards uh, per team pass attempt. Uh, That was his sophomore season. And just to put that in context, that's obviously not as good as JSN. It's kind of similar to Jahan Dotson or JMO from last year's class. So good, not great. Uh, That 2022 production, though, at USC in that Lincoln-Riley offense with an elite quarterback like Caleb Williams, it definitely was not as productive as his sophomore year but he still led that USC wide receiver room uh, with 2.16 yards per team pass attempts. Again, not great. Uh, And he did miss a little bit of time due to injury as well, which could have um, been an issue there. But this play style, so he had a 68% slot rate uh, his sophomore year at Pitt. So he got a lot of work inside and out. It seemed at USC, they tried moving him to the outside a lot more. He had only a 23% slot rate his junior year at USC. 
And maybe this also contributed a little bit to the production drop as a junior. I think if you look at how he's going to win at the next level, it's definitely going to be with his quickness because he is a little bit, you know, underweight compared to some of these other guys and with his elite route running traits. So for him to win against these NFL uh, corners, he's definitely going to need to develop a little bit more in the strength uh, to win those contested uh, catches to beat man coverage. So again, it kind of reminds me of Jahan Dotson from last year. I think he's a little bit quicker than Dotson and maybe a little less strong, maybe a little less contested catchy. But overall, the production profile here is great. It's just not as elite as uh, Quentin Johnston or JSN to me. If you look at uh, NFL.com right now, the Lance Zerline comp is Tyler Lockett, which seems to be like the default for all of these, you know, slightly <laughs> undersized uh, wide receivers. I think Lockett is probably Addison's ceiling, uh, but he's still going to get that first round uh, draft capital most likely. And because of all of that, you know, that production profile, it makes me want to uh, bring him in right under JSN and QJ for now. But he rounds out the uh, top three of this class for me. Yeah, man, I'm I'm right there with you, actually. He's number three for me as well. My comp is more Devonta Smith, I think. Okay. Um, honestly, man, he could be the best wide receiver in this class. Like, overall, best wide receiver. I believe he has the best hands, and he's just a pleasure to watch. His, his tape is a human highlight reel. The dude is just, he's got instincts. He's, he's an excellent player. So... When I say Devontae Smith, I I see him as like a, like a very strong number two wide receiver or even like kind of a low end number one wide receiver. I just I, I don't see him having like the um, like take the top off ability there. But we're also talking about the Bolitnikov winner. So I, so Mitch. Just a quick follow-up question to, I see him as a number two receiver, low end number one. Does that mean like, you know, completely hypothetical question, but would you be more excited to see Jordan Addison land in, let's say Minnesota than you would on the Chicago bears where he'd be expected to be the number one receiver immediately? No, that, that wouldn't bother me. Actually. I, I think that his play uh, stands for itself. I'm not really concerned about where he goes. Uh, we just saw him transfer from Pitt to to uh, USC, and that could have contributed to some of his drop off as well in production. But for sure, I mean, I I think that he's going to be just a really solid pick, a really safe pick, and I I think that he's going to produce. I just don't think that he has the over the top like speed or size or he's you know devonta smith terry mclaurin like right in that mid-range of like wide receiver two wide re- low end wide receiver one production is what i'm expecting from him but yeah and i think that's a fair um statement that you know you'd want him to kind of come in and not be that primary option i think on day one i think that would probably set himself up for success because you know if he gets like that press coverage from like the top corner on opposing defenses, I think that could be potentially be an issue, but just go back to that uh, sophomore year that he had when he did win the Blitnikoff. I mean, from a production uh, profile, like the only receiver in this class that really tops him on that is JSN. So mm-hmm. it was an absolutely elite season. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's got that advantage over somebody like Devonte Smith, who we didn't really see break out until much later in his career, uh, you know, as like a fourth round or fourth year breakout or whatever. Yeah, Trey, one thing that you mentioned was 
you did not feel like Jordan Addison's production profile was quite as good as Jackson Smith and Jigba or Quentin Johnston. We're going to talk about Quentin Johnston. So I'm going to ask you kind of a, a hard question, like try to abstract Johnston away. But what is it specifically about Jordan Addison's profile, given that he has that 1600 yard and 17 touchdown season that makes you feel like it's not as good as Quentin Johnston, who didn't get to quite that dominant of a level in any single season? So even though he didn't do it in any given season, I mean, we saw with Johnston uh, perform as a rookie and then, you know, essentially get better each year. And with Addison, we had this giant swing from his amazing sophomore year down to his not as great uh, junior, junior year, year, right? And with Smith and Jigba, we can kind of make the excuse of, okay, there's this lingering hamstring injury. I, I don't know exactly the injury issues that Addison was dealing with, but it seems like there's more to it than that. Like there's potentially this more work that he got on the outside. You know, it's this, this change of scheme that he's going to have to, uh, you know, maybe he struggled picking up on or whatever, but he had a good year, just wasn't a great year. And, and Johnston consistently got better each year in, in as a collegiate player. Yeah. I, w- I would think like my main concern with Addison's profile, and maybe it's a little bit narrative based and it's not, it's not connected to like, hard percentages and numbers as it should be but that regression and output once he moved on from Pitt to usc so thus upgraded the the competition right went with a great coach in lincoln riley uh you know probably the 101 in nfl drafts next year in caleb williams and he regressed you know 10 percent target share and and you know 600 yards so that's like the broad strokes of like when I'm looking at his profile, it concerns me. But when I look at him as a player, you know, I'm going to kind of echo a lot of what Mitch said here, like smooth route runner. Trey, you mentioned he can play on both the outside and the inside. So he's widely expected to go in the first round of the NFL draft could even be the first receiver off the board. So right now he's actually my wide receiver too. Um, But we'll talk about Johnston in a little bit. I think that could change pretty quickly. Yeah, and I touched on um I touched on him being the safest pick and I I think that I just want to like clarify that just a little bit. I think that he is most likely to reach his potential even though his potential isn't as high as a guy like Quentin Johnston or as high as Jackson Smith and Jigba. Huh. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So We've mentioned his name many times. Uh, he He's begging for us to dive deep. So I'm going to move us on to our third wide receiver today, and that's Quentin Johnston, that 6'4 monster out of TCU who should weigh in. I've seen kind of anywhere from 205 to 215, um, and like with that size, he's going to test off the charts at the Combine. yards per reception in college at TCU. He's both a downfield threat, but that yard per reception is also bolstered by the fact that he's extremely dangerous once he has the ball in his hands. So he is likely to get high-end first-round draft capital, which will boost his profile even more. I think when I'm looking at mocks, I see him as the first receiver off the board, like the plurality of the time. He has that prototypical size and speed that can translate to that X wide receiver one for the NFL team that drafts him. 
Like I was saying before, dominant player after the catch with 7.7 yards after the catch per reception, which is bananas and 43 broken tackles for his career. Um, I'm, I was mentioning this earlier. I'm the tiniest bit concerned that he never completely dominated the competition at TCU in a conference that is known to be soft defensively. You know, I, as a Texas alum, I'm a lifelong SEC fan starting in 2025. (laughs) So the Big 12 sucks, guys. He topped out at a 21% target share in his junior year, and that backed into 1,069 yards in 13 games. Very nice. Uh, And, you know, the other concern for me, and I was referencing this earlier with Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's been criticized for concentration drops, Johnston's drops seem to come from a tendency to body catch, which in my opinion is more of an issue because that's about technique. That's definitely something that can be fixed, but for someone of his physical dominance, he should not need to rely with catching with his chest like he often does. So again, that's a minor concern. It's something that can be fixed, like teaching you know, better hands, I think is one of the more coachable traits uh, for the NFL or translation to the NFL. I have him as my wide receiver three behind the other two guys we've discussed in JSN and Addison. But, you know, if he goes top 10, top 12 as the wide receiver one off the board in the NFL draft, like I was saying, I can very easily see myself adjusting this rank above Addison. I'm pretty firm in JSN as my wide receiver one, but Johnston's right there. This is my wide receiver one. And I, I touched on this earlier. I think that he has the highest potential. He has that size and speed combo. Uh, little tidbit, he hit a late growth spurt. And so he's always wow. played as a like a slot guy, like as a fast wide receiver. And you can see that in his game where like he's just so quick and so fast, but way too big to be that quick and fast. So uh, like I said, I see, I see that enormous potential i see guys like t higgins dk metcalf aj brown he just he looks like that type of wide receiver and so um it's it's tough because he's not any of those guys and Tarek, your point about drops it's true like he absolutely does body catch the ball and it's it's almost frustrating when you're watching him play because every other part of his game is just really good and you're just like bro just Come on, catch that shit with your hands, dude. Like, do it. And I and I and I think that he will be taught better in the NFL. And I do think that that will have to be a developed skill. But other than that, man, like this guy, this guy, I believe, like you said, will be a top ten pick as well. And he's the type of dude that you'll build an offense around. So uh, he's he's got to be number one for me. And it's it's close with the top four, but. I think if I'm splitting hairs, this this dude has got the sky's the limit, man. Yeah, and I don't have any issue with that at all, uh, Mitch. I mean, when you've got uh, the six four, two hundred pound frame, uh, and you go into the NFL weight room, I mean, that has alpha outside X receiver potential written all over it. And you know, you don't win your league with your wide receiver twos; you win them with those, you know, top five, top six wide receivers, and. Um, you know, that's what that size receiver, like that's what that size and athleticism potentially, uh, gives you in results down the road. I do think that with Quentin Johnston, a lot of us in, you know, dynasty have been 
essentially burned by these big 12 wide receivers in the past there's been some like tcu yeah specifically man i know jalen rager yeah fucking josh doxson yeah it's been it's been a rough it's been a rough road baylor right down the road with denzel mims as well so yeah it's yeah there's been some tough uh busts that have come out of big 12 in recent history and so for that i think it's a good reminder that like the level of competition is definitely lower with this big 12 production but the fact that he did break out as a freshman, he had a really strong sophomore year. And then out of these three guys we've talked about, he had the best uh, junior year uh, from a production standpoint out of the three. I think there's definitely some playmaker, uh, some explosiveness, uh, yards after the catchability with this guy, which is going to get him drafted highly. So yeah, he he belongs squarely in the top three here. I've got him at number two, but um, we're all just splitting hairs here. It's it's close. It's very close between the top three, the top four, and that size and speed just separates them for me. Right. Gotcha. Like right. if he was if he was six feet tall and like one eighty or something like that, playing at TCU, then I would not feel this way at all. But I think that because he's so big, like it's we're we're going to the NFL now. So wheels up for this guy. Okay, so it it, it kind of seems like slight tear break after these top three. So before we go on to the fourth guy that we're going to talk about, let's just refresh the listeners, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison and Quinton Johnston. Trey, give me your ranking of these top three receivers. So for me, it's JSN, then it's Quinton Johnston, and then it's Addison. One, two, three. Gotcha. Mitch, what you got? Quinton Johnston, one, JSN, two, Addison, three, but I do, as I hinted at, have a fourth guy that I think belongs in this tier. Okay, that's a great teaser. And before we go on to that fourth guy, my rankings for these top three are going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba, number one, Jordan Addison, number two, and Quinton Johnston, number three. So all slightly different, but I, I think we've all kind of recognized here that it's a little bit of splitting hairs. And I'm like, every time I like, talk about Jordan Addison being ranked over Quinton Johnston, I feel uncomfortable. So I feel like that might be changing for me soon. I just got to digest it a little bit. Again, like we're so early in the process here that, you know, I I reserve my right to change my opinion. Uh, (laughs) So without further ado, let's move on to that fourth guy. Mitch, why don't you take it away? Yeah, here's the dark horse, the wild card, Jalen Hyatt, uh, the early declare out of Tennessee, Six foot even on the slim side at 175, but apparently it was more around 185 last year, depending on who you trust with college players' height and weight, because you know yeah. they fluff that. But yeah, he did look bigger. On player profiler. Yeah, he looked bigger, and he didn't break out until last year, and he did so with 67 receptions for uh, 1,267 yards and 15 touchdowns. And the reason this guy belongs in the conversation is because he is so fast he is so fast and just an excellent downfield wide receiver as well he led the country in qb rating when targeted and the dude is just a zone destroyer on all the tape i watched i mean obviously he's fast as shit but he also has soft hands excellent tracking ability while downfield and he's shown more than just that nine route he can deceptively get open on a post or a corner uh, by just excellently disguising his routes with great body control. 
And Mitch, let me let me cut in here on on the point you just made about his soft hands. 18.8 yards per reception with a 78% catch percentage is absurd. It's absurd. That is insane. Like the fact that you're getting targeted that far down the field and you're able to catch it almost 80% of the time, elite hands. Sorry. No, you're good. And I, I'm going to touch on that because I'm certain that he's going to be a headache for NFL defenses. Like, guys, in case you weren't aware, Jalen Hyatt racked up five touchdowns and 207 yards against Alabama last year. So, like, if you're Love concerned it. about his highlights or that all of his highlights are just him running butt naked down the field wide open, like, he made he made Alabama look like a Big 12 defense. So you got to give <laughs> credit where credit's due. Like he's playing in the SEC, and that goes back to what we were saying about a a six foot one seventy five wide receiver. He was playing in the SEC, putting up this shit. So, going on, um, my concerns are, I guess, that transitioning from the spread offense to the NFL, like he's going to have to refine his shorter route tree, and he did only have a twenty one percent target share, and he wasn't often tested with press or man because he's just so difficult to guard when you're that fast that they've had to double him or zone him. So uh, NFL corners are faster, so we'll see more of that. But I think there's a good chance that come rookie draft time in your dynasty league, Hyatt leapfrogs into the top three wide receivers off the board because I'm projecting him to be a late first-round pick, and I think he gets a juicy landing spot based on that. Like with a QB that can launch the ball, I'm, I'm dreaming Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Give me... Give me somebody that can just give this guy the ball 100 miles down the field. Uh, right now, he's my wide receiver four, but I am just waiting for that opportunity to move him up higher. Uh, he's got room to rise. I, he kind of reminds me of peak Will Fuller or even like Jamison Williams from last year, his college tape. He's the type of playmaker that... I mean, this dude could be the number one wide receiver in this draft class, and I wouldn't be surprised, which is why I think he belongs in that top tier. Yeah, I just want to say I completely agree uh, having him as your wide receiver four. I also have sort of a tier break underneath Hyatt, uh, but I, and I can see him, you know, creeping into the top three here potentially. But for me, uh, he stays at the number four position. And what really does it for me is that production uh, this last season, his junior year, which did actually win him the Blitnikoff in 2022 as well. Uh, I mean, the 3.24 yards per team pass attempt, uh, that was better than any of the top three players that we already talked about his junior year. Uh, and it was in the SEC, which none of the other guys get to claim that level of competition. So that to me is the most uh, uh, impressive from a production standpoint. And if you want to nitpick a little bit here, I guess the concern is the fact that he waited until, until it was year three to really break out and take that jump. Uh, and that's kind of why I have him uh, at number four, as opposed to above um, ahead of these guys. But yeah, I think that this last season with Hendon hooker and that Tennessee team really taking that next step forward. Uh, he really showed that he's the real deal and uh, grinding the mocks agrees with you. Uh, they are projecting him as a late first round pick right now. Yeah, and I think once he runs in the four threes, that's going to be cemented. Like, yeah, he he's going to probably run four threes, low four fours at like the slowest, um, and that's going to cement him as a pro at least projected late first round pick. I mean, crazy things can happen on draft day, but you know, I, I'll just add some context here. One, I 
have him basically tied with another player at my wide receiver four, basically in the same tier outside of the tier of the top three we've already talked about. So I'm going to functionally call him my wide receiver four as well. So agreed there. Additional context was interesting. Mitch, you mentioned that he did not have to face press coverage that much. And what I was surprised kind of given you know, his yards per reception and the speed that he plays with, he actually played in the slot a whopping 90% of the time. So he is a slot player at Tennessee, but that's also a little bit misleading because if you look at the way that Tennessee runs their Mm -hmm, offense, mm -hmm. when they are like playing Jalen Hyatt in the quote unquote slot, they're essentially stacking him. So he, they're stacking him on one side of the formation. Essentially, it's a way to get press away from him, right? So he's they're they're scheming a stacked slot formation so that Jalen Hyatt can get off the line really fast and use that amazing speed. So while it's like ninety percent of the time he's quote unquote playing in the slot, it's not like he is like playing the Rondale Moore slot or something like that. He's essentially it's a function of Tennessee's offense that is not like a traditional slot player. So I kind of wanted to add that layer of context into how he lines up. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I I didn't actually want to bring up the slot thing because that's just not how it looks like he's playing. He looks like he's outside. And a lot of these routes where he's taken it to the house, he's pretty much on the sideline there. But to your point, they do stack him. And what they'll do is they'll send the other wide receiver up to block like a, a quick out pass like a screen and then just let him make magic happen in the open field but trey i wanted to to touch on a a bit of what you said there so the only one year of like meaningful production doesn't really scare me off either although his freshman and sophomore seasons he had 21 receptions and 20 receptions each each year basically nothing basically nothing but like when he when he popped man he he came out onto the scene right so right. uh when i see somebody just break out like that th- this just happens in college like the full body of work he's still an early declare so that it doesn't really yeah. bother me it's not like he he got it together his senior year after uh 3 years of just being a non factor like he got it together and I, I love him, man. I think he's great. And he broke out in a big way. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, uh, 13.6 average depth of target, 13.6 yards downfield. So while he may be lining up in the slot almost 90% of the time, he is a downfield weapon. Uh, so yeah, he's he's impressive, and he's he's definitely in my top four for now. And I think this really justifies the, the weight in gold of, of these first-round picks is that all of these guys, I, I'm excited to have on my team, on my fantasy team. And that means uh, what we've gone through four wide receivers and we haven't talked about running backs or, or even quarterbacks. Like this is a stacked first round guys. I think the general sentiment out there in uh, the dynasty streets is that, like I was saying earlier, the 2023 class was especially the first round picks. They were worth a lot. Like you had to pay up a lot to get, to stack 2023 picks on your dynasty teams. Um, If you had them, you were likely trying to keep them without giving them away too cheaply. And I think the general sentiment now that we've kind of, the 2022 season has expired, is that maybe we were overvaluing those 2023 picks, 
which, okay, maybe we were, but that doesn't mean that we should now undervalue this class. Like, I think as we're starting to dig into it, it's going to be a very good crop of rookies. I've, I've also heard this general sentiment that of the position groups, uh, people are kind of looking at this group of wide receivers as the weakest uh, relative position uh, to the running backs, to the quarterbacks and tight ends, which is interesting because I, I agree with Mitch. I think these top four are all uh, solid options and all worthy of your first round rookie pick. I will say it's it. it's a bit top heavy. I'll I'll give you that. But there was claims last year of it being a, a weak wide receiver class, and I just disagree with that as well. Look how that so, turned out. Yeah, exactly. So I don't want to hear yeah. none of that shit. <laughs> last year might have been the best wide receiver class we've had since like 2014. I want to show uh, you some of my trade DMs where people are trying to buy low on a quote weak wide receiver class. Goodness gracious. Look out of here. All right, Mike check. It is halftime. And we do not have a halftime choo, schedule choo, choo, choo. for this episode. Instead, we are going to continue talking about these 2023 wide receivers. So far, we've gone through Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State, Jordan Addison from USC slash Pitt, Quentin Johnston from TCU, and Jalen Hyatt, the Tennessee volunteer so let's go ahead and kick off this second half trey you've got our first guy here all right let's do it so let's get into uh Kayshawn booty uh six foot 185 pound junior wide receiver from lsu you know he's another is it booty S- or booty booty or booty but is he booty Kayshawn but <laughs> Kayshawn booty how do you say it I say booty, so booty kind of took me for a loop. Kayshawn booty, but I mean, well, you know, more to come on if it's booty or booty. Booty. We'll we'll keep it with booty right now. Booty, booty. You know, I guess that's that uh, Cajun uh, pronunciation there. But uh, anyway, very incomplete production profile for this wide receiver, unfortunately. I think you could fairly comp him uh, to George Pickens of this class with how incomplete his uh, production profile is. But unlike George Pickens, uh, this guy is three inches shorter. So he is not quite the uh, alpha X outside weapon that Pickens represents. But all that said, he did have a super strong freshman year in the SEC back in 2020, uh, followed by really, really terrible production in year two and year three. His uh, yards per team pass attempt 1.75 his freshman year. That was really good. Uh, Again, just to compliment to George Pickens, uh, you know, that's not as good as Pickens, uh, 2.11 his freshman year. So he's still caught, uh, kind of fallen short there, uh, on that comp. And then his last year as, um, at LSU, uh, 2022, 1.43 yards per pass per team pass attempt, really not great. So he never cleared a 30% dominator either. So he really never took over, uh, that offense. Uh, so like I said, the production profile incomplete from a statistical perspective, but, the upside here, he can play inside and outside, and he is absolutely an explosive weapon with the ball in his hands. He is a weapon after the catch. Uh, I'm sure, Mitch, if you turned on his tape, you saw him with a couple huge breakaway runs on oh, yeah. uh, passes that he took underneath and then uh, was able to just run by the rest of the defense. And if you look at uh, Grind of the Mocks right now, he's got projected day two draft cap. So, um, you know, that kind of knocks him out of this top tier for me. 
there's also some injury concerns with him, you know, multiple surgeries on his right ankle. He only played in six games his uh, sophomore year. So I, I think there's there's an argument because of this production profile that there's I think there's concerns with the ceiling. I, mean, I think there's room for him to really uh, develop as a wide receiver. But we're, we're do, putting a lot of projection, uh, you know, if we're going to be taking this guy into a, uh, in the first round of our rookie picks. So for me, that freshman year is just kind of a distant memory. I'm not really a fan because of all those issues with the production profile that I mentioned. Uh, he's down to wide receiver eight for me. There's a couple other guys in this class that I like a lot more. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm kind of there with you. I, I, now, when it came to George Pickens, I was just, I loved his tape. And I thought George Pickens was absolutely elite with the ball in his hands and was going to be a stud in the NFL. And I just, I don't feel the same way about K-Butt here. I think that, I think that he's good. And I think that he, he kind of reminds me of um, like a raw Kadarius Tony, which is funny because he's pretty raw himself. Now, with all that said, earlier I mentioned that um, Addison probably had the best chance of hitting. I think that Kayshawn has the best chance at busting. But I do see um, a reality where he actually latches on and is pretty good. But I'm not feeling this guy right now. Um, I, I don't like the risk involved. And I just his tape was good, not great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I just warn uh, uh, the listener here of like drawing too many comparisons with George Pickens. I know I brought it up, but, you know, Pickens was three inches uh, taller. Uh, he was I, mean, I think he, I agree with you. I think he put better tape on film. Uh, he was better from a production standpoint. So when people want to tell you, okay, we've got this explosive playmaker from the SEC with an incomplete production profile, he, he does not stack up to Pickens based on what I've seen in the numbers here. And the other thing is in terms of projected draft capital, George Pickens, arguably like his mid second round draft capital was kind of a surprise. Like people thought that Pickens was potentially going to be a late first, early second, fell more to the mid second to the Steelers. I think Kayshawn Bouti, the the average draft position for him in the NFL draft right now is basically looking like some team could get you know, tantalized and, and spend a second round pick on him. But there's also a real possibility that he could fall to day three. And a lot of that is not just because of his his falling off production in, in his sophomore and junior year, but also some reports of work ethic and attitude issues. We can fade that for now. But if that backs into day three draft capital, we're going to have some big problems here with Keishon Bouti. So, I mean... You know, he was a former track star in high school. So a lot of people going into his freshman year were thinking that this was going to be the next LSU guy. And because of that track star background, he could, you know, run in the four threes and that could bolster his draft capital. But, you know, you mentioned this, Trey. I do think, and Mitch, you can confirm or deny this, but I do think he looked more explosive as a freshman and the beginning of his sophomore year. And then he wrecked his ankle mm-hmm, right and so there's some possibility that he wasn't able to get kind of fully back from that and then in his junior year he just got alphaed by malik neighbors and that's that's a 2024 name to watch but that's a little bit concerning that he couldn't get back in his junior year to kind of the promise he showed in his freshman year so i'm interested <clears throat> to see where he could get drafted 
if some team spends a second on him, obviously he's going to be, you know, competing with like my five or six player. But right now I, I have him closer to like eight or nine in my wide receiver class. Yeah. And, yeah. and- it's a fair point to just mention how good he was as a freshman, uh, because I think out of the guys we've talked about, he did have the most impressive uh, freshman year uh, back in 2020 uh, because he did that production uh, against, you know, Ellis or SEC defenses as well. But, you know, he was well beyond uh, an average output over year two and year three. So, um, yeah, that's that's a distant memory to me. I'm going to draw one last comparison back to the Kadarius Tony and the George Pickens. There is a chance, as you mentioned, that a team jumps up earlier than we're expecting to draft him. I think that this is going to be more of a project, though. And the comparison I wanted to make is that George Pickens and Kadarius Tony were most likely early second round, late first round picks in your uh, rookie draft. And right now that's looking around like late or early to mid second is probably around where he's projected to go right now. And it's, it's one of those players that could be a lotto ticket. Like there's, I'm I'm not saying like avoid this guy, like the plague, but just air with caution. You know, as we move down this list, we're not going to have guys that we're just in love with, like the, the first four or five guys we talked about. So I, I think that he could be good, but at this juncture, I, I just, we don't we don't know enough yet. I think that this is about the range where landing spot and um, like combine and all that stuff starts taking more uh, more into consideration here. Yeah, and that's a fair point that if he does go late first round, you know, I'm going to have to readjust my expectation here. But, you know, right now that's not looking like it's going to be the case. And so if we were drafting in a startup uh, this weekend, uh, he would be my eighth rookie wide receiver off the board. I can jive with that. All right, so let's move on to this next wide receiver here. So we're on the sixth guy that we've uh, talked about so far. And this is a guy I I mentioned earlier that I had another guy in the tier with Jalen Hyatt right after the top three, and that's Zay Flowers. So senior prospect out of Boston College. I see him listed as small as 5'9", potentially 5'11". You know, I think Boston College lists him as 5'11", but he's probably closer to 5'9". About 180 pounds. So not too slight. That's pretty thick for a 5'9 guy. But despite that diminutive size, he spent two-thirds of his time at Boston College playing on the outside and adjusting for the offense he's played in and the terrible quarterback play at Boston College, he did very well. So posted above a 27% target share in all of his sophomore, junior, and senior seasons. Zay Flowers, he's quick and twitchy. He'll likely play in the slot as an NFL player, but with that inside-outside you know, versatility. He reminds me of Elijah Moore as a prospect, which coming from me is high praise. Remember, as a prospect, not Elijah Moore, the third year NFL player. But most mocks right now have Zay Flowers on the bubble of the late first, early second right now in the process. So I think the combine could boost his stock in that respect depending on kind of what he weighs in at, what he measures in at, and then the size adjusted speed numbers, you could see him locked in in the late first. I see him go to teams like the Cowboys there at the late first a lot. 
So Zay Flowers, let's get into kind of his pluses and minuses on film. Not really considered a technician by a lot of film evaluators, which is something he'll need to develop to succeed at the next level to kind of become a dynasty stalwart at 5'10", 180. I'm a little bit less concerned about Zay Flowers' late declare status as a senior, which in context, he's kind of a unique player. He was not heavily recruited out of high school. Boston College gave him a shot, and once he started dominating, he had allegedly a lot of opportunities to transfer out to a bigger program. And he decided to stay with Boston college, the team that gave him his shot. I feel like there's possibility he could have transferred to a higher profile school in his junior year and then potentially come out last year with a lot more visibility and publicity. So I just want to add that context to Zay flowers, but the versatility and the demonstrated ability to dominate the lion's share of an offense at the collegiate level, I think it makes him a solid bet kind of at the end of your first round in Dynasty. And like I said, I have him essentially in the same tier as Jalen Hyatt um, as my wide receiver four slash five in this class. Got him with J- you got him with Jalen Hyatt, bro. Yeah, I think I think he's a I think he's safer than Hyatt. No, 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 no way, man. Why? Because he's 5'9". <laughs> Look, man, I, I get... I, I don't think that he's going to be bad. I I feel like he's going to be kind of like that Sky Moore player where you're not super excited of where he went to college and, you know, he, he's quick and he's twitchy and elusive and he might develop into, uh, like, a fantasy prospect here the 27 percent target share is nice like I, I like that but i'm just i'm afraid that he's not going to be that guy in the nfl i i worry about him i i think that i'm going to be pricing myself out of zay flowers and you know this might be a mistake but uh, like his tape to me like it was it was okay i thought he was okay and i'm just i'm just a little concerned with his with his size and I, I don't love that he was on that Boston college offense. So, well, so a couple things here. So number one, a uh, player profiler has him at five eleven, 178 pounds. So the height and weight on this guy is all over the place. Uh, so I don't yeah, really no, know. It's... I don't really know who to believe at this point, but um, no one there's, there's some interesting comps that you guys said. So one was Elijah Moore, right. Who was a production uh, machine out of Ole Miss in the SEC, and then the other was Sky Moore, who was a production machine out of a non-Power Five school at Western Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. So BC is a Power Five program, right? They play in the ACC, so the level of competition is the same as like UNC or Clemson or Miami, right? But he was not a production machine in this offense. He had 2.47 yards per team pass attempt. That was his best year as a junior. And then he had 2.45 yards per team pass attempt his last year, his senior season. So that that is not great production against you not know, great quarterback play either, though, Trey. I mean, yeah, like, that's fine. But yes, like yard, yards, yards per team pass attempt, extremely great stat because it takes into account both volume and efficiency. I get that. But if you have a very poor offense that is not able to, like, move the ball, then you're efficiency and volume stats are going to suffer, right? So, you know, I, I I hear what you're saying there, but I just want to make sure that we're not basing 
like all of his analytical profile on that number because there are other numbers in his in his profile that look really good, including you know his target share, his dominator, et cetera. Okay, well, I I, I do take issue with that because uh, the two point four five yards per team pass attempt that's better than Jordan Addison's two one six. He had his junior year with Caleb Williams, who is a much much better quarterback than who Flowers was playing with that. Uh, BC, right? So we can't like, you know, ding or or like look past that for Flowers, and then uh, you know, not look past that for Addison, right? So it, I, I have a little bit of an issue with that. I, I will give him credit, like for the thirty six point three percent yards dominator in that offense. Like he did, you know, command um, the target share and and the touchdowns, but you know the the efficiency metrics aren't quite there for me. And then of course, you know, playing to a senior year, I get your point about, you know, wanting to stick with the program who, you know, gave you a chance, but, um, I'm, I'm also not really far off where you are on this guy either. I've got a guy between flowers and Jalen Hyatt. So I've got flowers, my number six right now. Um, and yeah, I, I do like the fact that he's projected to go, uh, late first round. So that I kind of struggled between flowers and another guy for my number five, but I ultimately, uh, knocked flowers down to six. And Tarek, I want to jump in here. You, you said that you think he's safer. And so I'm just curious what what that might mean and what you think that Zay Flowers' potential is. Um, I think that he's probably safe, like a safe bet to be like a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. But I mean, I'm just curious what your expectations are because uh, to be safe, like as we we talk about, like, you know, I I don't feel like he's going to be winning you many games or many leagues. So I, I... I'm just trying to figure out his value here. Yeah, I mean, I I appreciate that follow-up. I think like the high end of his outcomes is probably something like Tyler Lockett, you know, I mean, who was favorite. The, who was the high end of outcomes for a guy like Elijah Moore, right? Um also the high end of outcomes for a guy like Jahan Dotson. I feel like Tyler Lockett is kind of like he's He's a, a prototypical, oh, if somebody is over, is undersized but can run routes well and can also run both in the slot and on the outside, we like to comp them to Tyler Lockett. So I, I recognize that it's a little bit of a cop-out for me to even utter Tyler Lockett. But I think like, yeah, I do think if, remember, this is a guy that has been pretty consistently mocked in the late first, early second round, right? So if he gets that draft capital, which signifies that a team is willing to invest, you know, a late first or an early second in him, they have big plans for him, right? And what I see in terms of his target share and what he was able to do in the putrid offense that he was in, he was able to dominate, you know, to a 93rd percentile clip in terms of dominator, he was able to dominate, you know, the share of that offense. So long story short, you know, getting back around to your question, like I think he does have the high end potential of being like a low end wide receiver one, right? But the safety of, you know, the fact that he could probably, he's shown like an ability over an extended period of time to command targets versus Jalen Hyatt. He's shown more versatility than Jalen Hyatt as somebody who can play on the inside and the outside. Like I think, I think there's, there's a lot of interesting upside there 
Um, and, you know, while also admitting like maybe my own confirmation bias of like, I loved Elijah Moore. So if I see a guy on tape and a guy whose production profile does remind me of Elijah Moore, maybe I'm going to be, you know, a little bit more interested in that player. But again, I will repeat, this isn't unique to me. Like he, this is somebody who is pretty widely considered to go before like pick 50 in the NFL draft. Yeah. All right. I mean, I can I can see that. And I think that's kind of why the uh, the Sky Moore comp works a little bit better for me, because as you mentioned, I loved Sky Moore. Well, and and he was picked early, uh, what, early second round, like right at the beginning Um, there. I think it was the first second, late late second. second, But but I mean, either way, like the Chiefs did have plans for him. They had big plans for him. He scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And I do think that he's going to be more involved in that offense this upcoming season. So yeah, I think Sky Moore is a buy right now. Right. But also, but also I will say, like, if I have the opportunity to trade Sky Moore away to pick flowers, I'm doing it 100% of the time because Sky Moore has already put a year down in the NFL and did not do much with it. And we hope he gets better, but Zay Flowers has much more upside just by the fact of him being a rookie. And we don't have that data point on him other than what he did in college and the fact that we expect him to be a late first, early second round pick. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent agree there. Uh, my expectations are tempered. Um, okay. I, I, I think it's closer for me, Sky Moore or Zay Flowers, but, um, Sky Moore is also on the chiefs and flowers could end up who, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. That's not close. I would take flowers over Sky Moore in a heartbeat. All right. Well, I'm glad that we got to our first player that we had a little bit of like disagreement and contention on. It was a little bit of an agree fest. So nice. (laughs) Let's move on to our next player here. Mitch, uh, take it away. All right. Let's go to my guy, Rasheed Rice, six foot even. Seems like that's a theme. 200 pounds, senior wide receiver from SMU, pony up, go Mustangs. He was a uh, target monster. He was 30.6%. In the target share, 157 targets, 92 receptions, 1,355 yards, and he was Tanner Mordecai's first look on pretty much every single passing play there. And that was in his senior season because he was not a target monster in his first three years. Yes, but but he did show improvement every year at SMU, and uh, he got more and more dangerous with the ball, and for what it's worth, he, he earned that target share. So... Uh, he was mostly deployed underneath and given the opportunity to be that playmaker with the ball in his hands. And I just love the way that he bullies his way through defenders and fights for extra yards. Um, I, I did talk to my brother, Jordan Curley, wide receiver, SMU, teammate of Rasheed Rice. I asked him, what would be the number one quality you think uh, Rasheed's got going for him as he enters the NFL? And he said he's 200 pounds and he plays like he's 230 pounds. Um, and what separates him from other wide receivers is that uh, he is just amazing when it comes to a contested catch. And uh, these 1v1 balls, he's just got a lengthy arms and he's just got a huge catch radius. But a point that my brother brought up is that it's not just against scrubs either. Um, he went up against the, uh, the number one or one of the number one prospects uh, at corner from Maryland and from TCU as well and just mossed him at times. So um, I think that he has faced good competition, regardless of being in the American Athletic Conference. But uh, 
I, like I said, I think his, his skills really will translate nicely to the NFL. Like those great hands, although I think he'll be more of a possession wide receiver over the middle. He can take screens the distance. He can make circus catches and he can even be a deep threat. So he's just good at everything. And that to me will translate to being on the field more and eventually to volume. So um, I can't really find a part of his game that is lacking, but he's not jumping off the page either. He's not top end like the the first four guys on my on my top four. And um, I think the concerns are that he just doesn't separate as well as a guy as athletic and fast as he is. Um, I've seen him get uh, like sucked up from behind and tackled um, and his separation isn't elite, but Although that's fair criticism, um, I do think he has enough like burst and quickness to still be that target hog. And I, I just think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be a good NFL receiver. And I think it's in the realm of possibilities that he becomes a wide receiver one in the NFL. But it's more likely, I'd say, that he's a solid number two fantasy wide receiver. And, you know, if he can get that volume, then he'll be a dependable option with upside. So... Man, I love me some Rasheed in the uh, in the second round, I guess, of your dynasty uh, rookie draft. Maybe earlier, depending on when he goes, he could be a guy that's taken earlier than expected. Uh, as I mentioned, he's my number five wide receiver, and uh, I think that he he really comps to Brandon Ayuk for me, um, which is it's funny. That's the other wide receiver my brother played with, and when I asked him about it, he laughed and he's like, "Dude, I." I seriously think that he reminds me of Ayuk in a lot of ways, too. So, Brandon Ayuk, good NFL wide receiver. Uh, but yeah, guys, uh, I know I know, I have the, the Homer J. Simpson spice on this take, so uh, let's hear it. Yeah, bo- body-wise, very, very similar to Brandon Ayuk. Because, like you said, he's like six foot, 200 pounds. That's around Ayuk, but he's got that, got that very, dog in him, very man. big wingspan, dude. His, his arms are super long. So it like, I definitely agree with you. Like when you're watching rice play, he looks like he's like six, three because his, he, he he's physical and he's got a really big wingspan. So he can kind of get up there and get it. And yeah, I mean, steady improving production year over year, but I would have liked to see him command more production before his senior season, but it was a really great senior season over that 30% target share and t- uh, 10 touchdowns. You also mentioned this, Mitch, like it'll kind of be interesting to see where he goes right now. He's projected kind of like late day two. So right. round three could slip into round four. If he jumps into the second round somehow, I think that's going to improve his stock a lot for me personally. But Trey, what, what do you think about Rasheed Rice? Yeah, I'm. I think I'm closer t- to where you are on him, uh, Tarek, than where Mitch is at the moment. Uh, I've got him uh, lower on my list uh, behind uh, a booty. Um, so it's, I mean, non-power five, right? So if if you're not in a power five uh, program, then you know I really want to see that elite production profile. Which the two eight six yards per team pass attempt that he put up his senior year was definitely uh, good, but you know that was by far and away his best year. He didn't clear uh, two yards per team pass attempt um, in any of the three years before that. So, you know, the reason that that matters is because when you're a senior and when you're four years out of high school, you've just had that much more time in the weight room and you're just that much stronger and faster 
than the other guys that you're lining up against. And so uh, is he able to win with some of those traits that he's able to develop in college that are not going to translate to the NFL when he's going up against uh, professionals, right? So uh, there's a risk there uh, for sure. Um, you know, I think draft capital could certainly move him up the board, right? If somebody says, hey, this is actually a round two receiver and and we believe it and we're willing to spend the, the draft pick on it, then I would certainly reconsider. But um, for now, I've got him behind Booty. He's, he's actually my... Uh, uh, tenth receiver in this class. Yeah, I want to. I want to mention Danny Gray from last year uh, was a guy that I touched on from SMU, saying that you know he's actually a wide receiver. I think you'd want to avoid because he's just a speed guy. Right. But I did think a team would want to jump in earlier than expected and take him, which did happen as well. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Literally what happened. He's a third this rounder, is, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And uh, this is this is not the case. I I want to distinguish that I do think that a team will jump in earlier and I think that he will be sort of a possession wide receiver with upside as I mentioned so um you know that that's just a different play style that translates a lot better to fantasy football and I like I said I I think he's good I just like from from watching all of his his games like the dude's got it he's got that dog in him man he's compared to Danny Gray you know, the other SMU player uh, that got drafted last year. He's 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 a downfield guy, but he's also way more of like a boundary receiver guy who can get the contested te- uh, catch, but works downfield as well because, you know, 14 yards per reception is really good as a senior. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Obviously, we're rooting for him. Uh, Jordan Curley, Mitch's brother over there at SMU. So, you know, shout out to the Mustangs. Um, and we're we're hoping for Rasheed Rice to get that second round draft capital. All right, let's move on. Trey, I think you've got our penultimate guy here to discuss. All right. So let's do Marvin Mims, uh five foot eleven, hundred and eighty-two pound uh wide receiver from OU, uh coming out as an early declared junior. I feel like a lot of these guys this year are sort of in that five eleven, six foot, hundred and eighty mm-hmm. pound range. So here's another one. Uh, it's similar to Booty, uh, who we already talked about, but I think a much better uh, production profile for Marvin. Mims. Another one, <laughs> <laughs> much better production profile than uh, Booty. Uh, granted, yes, it was in the Big Twelve and not the SEC, but Mims had a super strong freshman year, and then he continued to improve every year after that. He he cleared two point six six yards per team pass attempt as a junior, which is better than average, what you'd expect in that range. And definitely better than what we saw out of guys like Addison and JSN, uh, their junior years. So, you know, how Mims uh, is used on the field, like he played inside and outside. He had a 75% slot rate as a sophomore, and then that dropped down to 30% slot rate as a junior. So he's got plenty of experience, uh, both inside and out. And similar to Addison, I think he's going to win with his quickness and getting open in space. He actually had one of the highest uh, average depths of target out of anybody that we're talking about today with 17 yards, uh, a dot his junior season. But if you dig into that a little bit more, his splits for his yards per route run, I'd seen this uh, bouncing around on Twitter. Apparently his yards per route run splits, he's elite versus zone coverage and he really struggles against man coverage. So it's definitely going to require that he ends up in the right scheme for him to really be effective at the next level. And that could be partly because, you know, that press coverage at 180 pounds is maybe knocking him off his route. 
And when he's able to navigate zones, take the top off a of defense, that's where he's really able to win. And he did win quite a bit in college. He averaged 19 and a half yards per catch uh, over the course of his college career, which is incredible. Absurd. <laughs> incredible. Absurd. Incredible. I think I think he I think that's the top clip in the 2023 class, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think you're right. Yeah. And and so he's currently not projected to go day one. I would say most likely uh day two based on the speed and production. I think it's gonna get a lot of NFL interest, especially when he runs that 40 at the combine. And like I said, I'm you know comparing him to uh Booty, who's about that same size that you've just got a much better, like more consistent production profile here with Mims. Yes, it was in the big 12, but it was at OU, right? So it's one of the top programs. Both of them are kind of risky and you're going to get, you know, questions about ceiling here with Mims, right? Like playing in these, the big 12 offense, like, is he schemed open, right? Is he just taking advantage of these big gaps over the middle of the field uh, that are coming out of that OU system? So he's not in that top tier for me. And, uh, you know, if he's going on day two or day three, then he definitely won't be. Uh, so I've got him right at wide receiver seven right now, just one spot above uh, Kayshawn Booty. I got him pretty much right there with you. I got him as my wide receiver six. Nice. Uh, I, I like him a lot. And I he plays he plays bigger than he is. Like, I know he's listed as 5'11", 180 or whatever, but like, Similar to Rasheed Rice, the dude is just like he's got that dog in him. He's he's he runs over people. He high points the ball. Um, he's just he's a good natural catcher. And when we start getting into the non-top, you know, five wide receivers, this is what I start to look for: is somebody who's just naturally fluid uh, catching the ball and somebody that can get that yak. And he checks those boxes for me. So. Um, as Trey mentioned, I think that like his landing spot, of course, is going to affect. But man, that's just that's just the case at the end of the day with all of these guys. Um, so I think that man, I, I think he's a good bet. I think he's one of the safer guys on this list. And uh, yeah, I, what's what I'm hedging on is like I and you know y'all can correct me if you've seen conflicting reports. What I feel like what he is projected in the NFL draft is more like late day two, early day three, right? Mm. So if that's kind of where I'm hedging, because I think Marvin Mims has a lot to like about him, like, you know, in terms of the consistent production he put up at Oklahoma, 22% target share as his best clip as a junior is only so-so, but 7.4 yards after the catch per reception is super impressive, Mitch, what I've kind of seen and read about Mims agrees with your take that he kind of plays stronger than he looks, like than his frame. Um, and like Trey said, that 19 plus yards per reception, just absolutely absurd. So I think there's a lot to like, and I tend to like Oklahoma receivers. Uh, shout out CD Lamb. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just worried that even if he runs pretty fast, there's something that the NFL draft industrial complex is not quite bought into about Marvin Mims so far. And that's why I'm kind of hedging him as more like my wide receiver nine wide receiver 10. Whereas if he gets day two cap, even if he goes in the third round, I think he's probably going to move up more closer to like my wide receiver seven, but I'm hedging. Cause I feel like 
what I'm reading is that the NFL is valuing him more late day two, early day three. And th- and that was the big difference maker for me too, uh, because I've Zay Flowers right ahead of Mims and uh, Flowers is getting projected late first and we don't know where Mims is going to end up, you know, day two, maybe day three. So uh, yeah, uh, Flowers at six, Mims at seven for me. We'll say draft cap matters. I mean, it, it does. And we're so early in this process, so... I'm sure a lot of these receivers, as we keep going, are going to change a little bit as the process continues. But, man, I I don't know. I I, I like what I see. He's he's a fun player. I feel like he's there's a lot to be excited about with Marvin Mims. All right, let's move on to another guy. Uh, our last guy we're going to talk about here today, who I think Draft Capital is going to tell us a lot about where we should value him, but. Josh Downs Jr. out of North Carolina. So he's kind of in the neighborhood of 5'10", 170 pounds, like um, Mitch and Trey were saying. This is this is kind of a theme of this class. Lots of 5'10", 170-pound guys. Josh Downs, underneath route runner, who was basically a compiler in Carolina Blue. He had 101 receptions in 13 games as a true sophomore. Uh, that was as Sam Howell's number one option on a absolutely eye-popping 38.7% target share. He then, after Sam Howell left, took a step back in 2022, but he did have just over 1,000 yards on a 23% target share. Good, not great. He's almost always running close to the line of scrimmage out of the slot, so we don't really know how he would play against press coverage. So. You know, in terms of like another smaller player that I like more in Zay Flowers, he doesn't show the same kind of versatility that we saw from Flowers. Josh Downs, you know, he's got short area acceleration and burst, but I think there's some questions about his top end speed. And Hmm. unlike a guy we just talked about in Marvin Mims, I think this is a guy that does not play bigger than he looks. I think he could get absolutely crushed by (laughs) NFL athletes, especially those linebackers moving over the middle middle of the field, because I think he he lacks the physicality that uh, a lot of scouts are seeing out of both Mims and Flowers. So I like him as an early declare. Like, that's great. He's also a guy who clearly can command some targets. And right now, he's kind of got that projected early round two draft capital. But I'm a little bit up and down on him as a fantasy option right now because I'm not sure how it'll translate to the NFL. So, you know, I I kind of have him in that hedging area of like wide receiver, you know, somewhere between wide receiver eight and wide receiver 12, where I'm kind of waiting on the draft capital to see what I think. So I've actually got him as my wide receiver receiver five right now in this class. So I have him right there with Zay Flowers. And I'll admit, I did struggle with if I was going to do Downs five, Flowers six, or the other way around. I ended up with Downs over Flowers. And it was really because of that sophomore season breakout year that he had. His 3.53 yards per team pass attempt, his 40.2% yards dominator rating. I mean, those were uh, best out of the nine guys that we talked about today. Uh, So that kind of gave him the edge for me. And yeah, doing that at UNC against ACC competition, it's not, you know, just scrubs out there in the ACC. So um, to just to put that into perspective, that 3.53 yards per team pass attempt, that's better than the best years from guys last year, like Drake London and Garrett Wilson. So that is elite company uh, production at the, the college level. 
the the thing that sucks about Downs is he is definitely a slot player, as you already mentioned, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, obviously that leads to a limited ceiling, right? Uh, so I think there's definitely an argument for somebody like Flowers over him, who's like maybe a more well-rounded player. The comp that I've got for Downs is kind of like the Wandale Robinson of this class because he was just an elite uh, production machine, but he did it all, virtually all, out of the slot. Yeah, Tarek, I I take a bit issue with you saying that you don't think he's got uh, elite speed. I think this guy is fast. I think this guy is crazy fast. And yeah. uh, I now his route running as well is is pretty good actually. So. Um, and I've and I've read that he has a pretty advanced route tree, which I love to hear that for a prospect entering the NFL. Um, but his footwork, his he's just got quick feet, and he has the ability to adjust. Um, like when I was watching tape, there were a lot of bad throws his way, and I feel like he was able to like just quickly adjust on the fly and uh, kind of rein in some of these passes. So. I actually am a little closer to Trey on this. I think that he's a sneaky good prospect, and uh, it's just, of course, he's he's tiny, and you know, uh, obviously, he's going to struggle with with press. But if he's schemed open, he could be fantasy gold. So I'm not out on him. I want to see want to see a little bit more of the process, but um, right now, I I'm more optimistic than pessimistic about him. The, the pessimism for me comes from one, like it, his size and the fact that I don't think he plays bigger than his size, but two, the way in which he got his production specifically in that sophomore year with Sam Howell, it's just all compilation. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's really just like 10 yards down the field, throw it you know, on that slant route from the slot to Josh Downs. And I'm just not sure that that is going to translate to the NFL, like as, as well as some of the other like bigger slot players or some of the other players that were able to kind of, I don't know, just win with their body a little bit more than Downs. Now, all of that being said, like you can't deny a 38 plus percent target share. Like right. if, if, if he ends up hitting, it's not going to be a surprise. It's just one of these players. Like I said, I'm like a bit, I, I'm up and down about him. It's like, I think about him in one light and I'm like, Oh man, I could really see him compiling a lot of fantasy points. I think about him in another light. And I'm like, I could see him breaking his leg <laughs> Jesus you know, by Christ. being tackled <laughs> by a linebacker because and, and I know that's a crutch argument and that like I shouldn't like project injury or anything like that, but I'm just worried about his ability to translate to the NFL. And the final thing I'll say, Trey, before I kick it to you is, you know, in terms of the top end speed, uh, I am kind of deferring to some scouting profiles I've read there specifically uh, from Brandon Lejeune on the Devi to Dynasty uh, podcast and YouTube show like him and his co-host were talking about, OK, I'm not sure. I I think he's quick and he's elusive, but I'm not sure he's top end fast. And, hmm. you know, Mitch is is seeing something different and that's worth pointing out. But I just wanted to kind of like full transparency. I did not watch a lot of film on Josh Downs. So 
you know, if he's fast, I'll defer, but that, yeah. Yeah. And, and that said, I mean, he definitely could be a PPR machine at the next level. Uh, it's all going to be that underneath stuff, right? But if he's able to work and he's able to eat underneath and that does translate, you know, every year yeah. to the NFL, uh, his a dot was one of the lowest in this class. I think it was the lowest out of the nine guys we talked about. Uh, Rashi rice. that was actually right there with him, um, about that nine yards, a dot. So, uh, the difference being Rashi Rice was able to get it done with yards after the catch and Downs didn't. He was under uh, 20th percentile in his yards per catch. So uh, he's very much an underneath weapon. Uh, so there's some safety in that, but there's definitely limited upside. And yeah, as we're sitting here talking about it, I'm going back and forth between him and Flowers and just thinking, I kind of like that well-rounded upside of Flowers a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I can get behind that, Trey. Um, I. Look, I, I think that he has trouble getting uh, up to full speed when um, when like a defender does any sort of press or he has to like move around the, the defenders. But if he can just get up and go, uh, if they can get schemed, like I said, um, without being touched at the line of scrimmage, I think this guy can fly. So NFL minds, I'm sure, will uh, plan for this accordingly, but... Yeah, and he's not going to get touched at the line of scrimmage because he's going to play from the slot. So, you know, that's that's a good point. All right, that are that does it for the nine guys we're going to talk about here today. Did we want to do any of our uh, honorable mentions? Oh, yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, let's each of us give uh, a, an honorable mention to a guy we didn't have time to talk about today. Mitch, why don't you go first? Well, I'm going to go with... Uh... The little guy, the guy that I normally would be running and hiding from and on draft day, and that's Tank Dell out of the University of Houston. Um, this dude has gotten a little bit of buzz there at the uh, at the Senior Bowl, but he also weighed in at 163 pounds, standing at five foot eight, which is definitely smaller than he was listed at Houston. But I mean, he. He is a competitive player. Uh, coaches can't get enough of him, and he's pretty good in contested catches. So th- this is stacked against him. The deck is stacked against him in the NFL. But um, you know, I I would take a late round flyer on this guy um, in in my dynasty draft. I I think that he's got enough dog in him to make his place in the NFL. And uh, he was a five-star recruit by ESPN uh, coming out of high school. So the the dude can ball. He was in the air raid at Houston. So, like, I mean, what are you going to take away from that? You mean, but... Mitch, you mean he's got enough coog in him. Go kooks. Uh, Tank Dell out of University of Houston, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so uh, the guy, my, my honorable mention is Cedric Tillman, old man Tillman. He is uh, Jalen Hyatt's uh, Tennessee wide receiver teammate uh, i've actually got him ahead of uh, rashi rice at number nine in my ranks uh, and the reason i say old man is because he's a fifth year senior right now uh he had one really really great year uh, in those five years it was his fourth year uh 2021 season uh he had a 35 percent yards dominator and a 3.1 yards per team pass attempt so that was amazing and then he uh, had a high ankle sprain and he missed most of 2022 which allowed Jalen Hyatt to have his breakout year. The thing that Tillman has that a lot of these other guys don't have 
is size. He is six foot three, two fifteen. So he is much more in the Quentin Johnston outside X receiver mm-hmm. role than any of these other uh, short kings we've been talking about. But uh, yeah, he's an interesting guy for me in uh, round three of the rookie drafts. All right, and the guy I will throw out to watch. Uh, I have no idea where this guy is going to go uh, in the NFL draft, but Jaden Reed from Michigan State, five uh, eleven, hundred ninety one pounds. Uh, fourth year player out of Michigan State. His freshman year, he actually played at Western Michigan, had a breakout season with a 20.8% target share, 797 yards in 2018. Then he transferred over to Michigan State. um, And then in his junior year, was able to eclipse 1,000 yards, 26% target share in a Michigan State offense like that Boston College offense I was talking about earlier, uh, has been struggling for quite some time. So, you know, Jaden Reed, just a guy to look out for. Like if he gets day two capital, he could be interesting. All right, y'all. Thanks everybody for listening to episode 80. We're getting excited to get more into these rookies. And two weeks from now, we will talk about the rookie running backs. Y'all have a good rest of your February. We'll see y'all in March. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.